Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this episode, Josh and I have a conversation with Lindsay Bach. Lindsay has been studying the book of Amos as she's been preparing a study guide for women's ministry. We have a conversation about the book, why it matters, and how we can apply it in our lives today. We hope you find this conversation encouraging and strengthening as we want to rest on the foundation of the Word of God. Well, welcome to this episode of Life Together. We have a very special guest today, Lindsay Bach. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Hi. So before we were recording, you lovingly confronted me that the only questions I ask are Seahawk fans when I ask people about their favorite NFL team. So this is going to be a first. Lindsay, who is your favorite NFL team and why? Thank you so much for asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan because my mom grew up in Wisconsin. uh, So she was like a lifelong fan. Um, And my dad also kind of grew up as a Packers fan, too. So that was like a big thing in my family. And my mom actually bought everyone in my family shares to the Packers because the Packers are the only team where you can actually own shares of the team. So I'm a shareholder and I love the Packers and I still I still love my friends who love the Seahawks, even in their error um, <laughs> in what team they love, but that's okay. Do you have like a styrofoam cheese head that you wear or anything? I don't. Uh, my parents, I might have one now, um, but no, I don't. I have had one and Zachariah had a cheese sword uh, that he used to play with, but then he broke it. So, oh, that's Did so he try cool. to eat it? No, he didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think he hit something with it too hard and it broke. Who's your all-time favorite Packers player? Uh, Jordy Nelson. Nice. Mm, okay. How come? Uh, Jordy Nelson is just a really cool person. He actually, he and his wife did foster care um, mm-hmm. and adopted some of the kids that they fostered. And I just really love their their heart for that. And also Jordy had to take a year off because of an injury. And he actually like was a substitute teacher in his local public school a little bit um, wow. during that time when he was off. And so he's just like a really cool person. I'm pretty sure he's a believer. And um, yeah, he's just a cool guy. So he's my favorite. Oh, that's awesome. Really cool. All right. Well, we uh, wanted you to come on today because we would love to hear you talk about the book of Amos. You're in the process of writing a study for women's ministry. There's no like firm deadline on that, but just thought we would love to hear what you're learning from Amos and talk through that together. But first thought on the podcast, it'd be helpful to explain that you and Jason have been faithful deacons at GBC thank you, and that you are taking a step back from being a deacon right now. And this podcast episode is a great time to kind of connect the dots. And the reason why is because you're using your time and your gifts to serve with women's ministry and creating Bible studies, which blesses the women of GBC and blesses all of GBC. So um, anyway, wanted to share that. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm happy to be working on the Amos study and it's um, a really good way for me to spend my time. And I think it's a good use of kind of my strengths and my interests. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved being a deacon too. And Jason is going to continue being a deacon. Um, but I'm just going to kind of take a step back from that so that I can focus on kind of doing what I'm good at for now while I with the time that I have. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So why don't we just dive in? We'll start talking about the book of Amos. Mm -hmm. So have a lot of different questions for you, but maybe we'll just start kind of high level. Why the book of Amos? Yeah. um, So they're kind of like pragmatic reasons and then kind of better reasons maybe. So pragmatically, one good thing about Amos, first of all, it's in the Old Testament. We just did Galatians, so I kind of wanted to do Old Testament. Um, and Amos is not very long. <laughs> it's only nine chapters, which makes it a lot easier for me to make that into a study versus like, you know, Isaiah is really long. Um, also, pragmatically, I did a Simeon Trust workshop on Amos a couple of years ago. Um, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's just a workshop for people who teach the Bible. And so everybody studies a book of a, the Bible together and kind of prepares like they were going to teach it. So I had already spent time studying the book and learning more about it. So I felt a lot more prepared to work on something about Amos because I'd already spent time in it. Mm-hmm. And then just a better reason, Amos is a really beautiful book, which is probably funny to some people to say, because it's a book that's a lot about judgment, um, but it also has so many passages in it that are redemptive and really point forward to the hope that we have in the gospel and the hope that we have that God will bring justice, um, that he's going to write everything that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really beautiful. And I really want to help the women um, see that in prophetic literature, because I think a lot of people are intimidated by that genre. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Would you say there's a key verse or verses in the book that just kind of stand out to you at this point in studying? There the are probably a few, but I'd say the one that I'm drawn to the most is in chapter seven. Um, Amos is having these visions that God sends him. And there are two visions of basically destruction coming. One is like um, destructive locusts are going to come and destroy all the harvest. And then there's going to be a destructive fire. Um, But then there's a third vision and Amos sees God standing next to a wall and he's holding something called a plumb line. If you don't know what a plumb line is, because I didn't when I first (laughs) studied Amos, it's like a weight on the end of a string and you hold it up and when you hold it and let it kind of settle after it swings, if the point that you're holding at the top and the point at the bottom of the weight will make a straight line showing you what straight up and down is. Now we'd probably use like a laser level for something like that. But back then, you know, ancient technology, they used a plumb line to see if something was straight. So God is holding this up to a wall and he's basically saying it's not straight. He's saying Israel has become crooked, um, that they have fallen out of plumb with regard to righteousness. They're not doing justice and they are not worshiping them the way that they need to. And so God is saying, I'm going to tear this wall down and I'm going to rebuild it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really beautiful picture of what God's law is for us. It's not because those other two images were really destructive, right? Locusts and fire, they're coming to destroy. And that is what's gonna happen, but you don't use a plumb line to destroy something, you use it to rebuild it. Hmm. So he's gonna tear that wall down, but he's going to remake it and he's gonna remake it perfectly straight. And 
that's what he does for us in Christ. Christ is perfectly in plumb. And the standard that Christ sets for us is also the righteousness that he gives to us. And so he will make us perfectly straight in righteousness um, when we are united to him in faith. And so I just think that's a beautiful picture, even though it there is destruction because the wall has yeah. to be torn down. But that there's the hope that it will be rebuilt correctly. Wow, that's so good. Oh man, how about just, uh, that sparks a lot of different questions in my mind. What else kind of surprises you in Amos? Maybe like if you could step back before you started really learning about and studying the book, did you have kind of a concept about Amos? Then when you really dug in, oh wow, this is surprising to me. Yeah, I think when I first um, started studying it, I wasn't really expecting there to be much that was redemptive in mm -hmm. the book. I thought it was all gonna be really like negative judgment stuff. And there's a lot of that in there. Um, but just being able to see the beauty of the gospel in there was really moving to me when I when I did study it. Um, and I think that for a lot of people studying the Old Testament um, feels disconnected from the gospel. Like we don't see how it fits into the greater arc of the Bible. And so it's like, oh, blah, blah. There's lots of judgment. God's really angry right now. I don't want to read this because it seems like harsh and not connected to what I'm experiencing today. But being able to see the gospel in Amos and realize like um, – that when we experience injustice in our own lives, we have the hope that God is not, he sees it all and he's not going to let any of it go without being corrected. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's because it's redeemed by the blood of Christ or because there will be punishment one day for those who have rebelled against him and harmed other people. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. I know that's an area I'm growing in as well over the years is like there's certain parts of the old testament that feel like you know how people call the midwest the flyover states <laughs> i feel like it's the flyover part of the bible like i'm not missing anything yeah. <laughs> i'm just going to skim through this but when it is one large story with multiple connections all pointing to christ like it's beautiful it's, yeah yeah ministers yeah. to us yeah i think well, well a bunch of us guys went and did simeon trust this fall and the mm -hmm. book was amos which was Nice. I, my, Elizabeth, my wife, went the year you were mm -hmm. talking about being there. And mm -hmm. so it's great. I was like, what did you learn? Give me some tips, you know? <laughs> but I think when we were going through the book of Amos um, together, what kind of struck me was kind of in line with what you're saying, Lindsay, but, but it almost feels like from the negative side of it, you kind of get to see God's heart mm -hmm. and what really matters to him and what he considers as serious and mm -hmm. uh, an offense, you know? Yeah. And for me, it sounds weird to say like, oh, that was beautiful to see it because in a way it was, it was very sobering, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it was really helpful because it's almost like this clarifying thing, yeah. which kind of goes to your point. It's helpful to not see it as a flyover, you know, sort of state in the, in the Bible because yeah. you, you kind of miss part of God's heart, yeah. you know? Amen. So, yeah. Amen. We've yeah. been talking about judgment off and on, it seems like in youth group recently and you know, kids have been having questions of how do I reconcile God having the flyover passages mm -hmm. of judgment in the Old Testament with Jesus, who's all loving. And, you know, I just feel like with like the plumb line, mm -hmm. the judgment is the beginning of showing how great God's love actually is, because yeah. what he should do is say, none of this is straight. It's all going away. Mm -hmm. But instead, he says, it's not straight. And I'm going to make a way for it to be straight. Yep. So with God's judgment, I, mean, I, I feel like for me that it just makes God's love 
that much more profound and incredible that he should just say, tear the wall down. But instead he says, instead of tearing the wall down, I'm going to provide Jesus Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to tear you down. Instead, I can build you up into something new, into something that is made right with me. So, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate that I'm, this is so cool that you're doing the book of Amos. Like Mm -hmm. how many women's Bible studies do the book of Amos? Probably not many churches. Not many. Like as you're looking for like helps. Even like not even just women's Bible studies. It was hard to find any, like Amos is usually, if it's covered, is grouped in with the minor prophets. And so it's just like you get a couple weeks on Amos um, and it's not dug into very much, um, which is, which is fine. It's just pushing me to uh, do more of my own work without like falling back on like, well, what did this person say? Um, which is, which is helpful and not helpful at the same time. But yeah, (laughs) it's, it's an important question to think about. Um, and to find hope in books of judgment, you really have to realize that God can't be good if he's not just, Mm -hmm. um, if God doesn't hate sin, then he's not good. And we, I think we know that when someone else sins against us, Mm -hmm. like, right. You're like, Oh, that person hurt me. I want them to get justice, but we have to realize that God's justice isn't just if it's also not applied equally everywhere. And Amos does what really emphasizes that maybe more than other prophetic books, because he kind of goes through this list of all these nations around Israel. They're going to get judged for the offenses that they've done to each other and against Israel. And then it kind of slowly becomes this bullseye. And in the middle is Israel and Israel will be judged because they've done things that go against basic human decency, but also they they know God's law and they're choosing to disobey it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to be judged more harshly than even these pagan nations around them because they should know better mm-hmm. because God has shown themselves to him. He's he's made covenant with them to have a relationship with him and they've turned away from him. They're harming their own people with injustice and then they're dishonoring God by the way that they're worshiping him. Um, through idolatry and all kinds of weird, bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was one of the things that really was sobering, you know, when you get into chapter two, kind of that part where it kind of zeroes in on Israel, just like what you're saying, how there's all this emphasis in in even the poetry of what God has done for them. Yeah. And, but when you look at all the other judgments against the other cities, the the there isn't that same sort of poetry, mm-hmm. but they're still accountable for what they've done. Yep. But when it gets Israel, it's they've done the same sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But there's this huge emphasis on I did this and I did this and yeah. I did this yeah. and you have my word, and that's that's really startling. I think even as Christians, you know, to take that seriously and go, yeah, I have this knowledge. God's done all this stuff in my life, and then therefore, how am I living? Mm-hmm. Um, is am I like just looking at the world and kind of pointing the finger there mm-hmm. without kind of making sure that we're looking in the mirror as well? So yeah. really, yeah, really sobering. Yeah, very much so. <clears throat> How about Lindsay? Um, is there a general kind of overlay of the land, so to speak, in Amos, like the um, story arc of Amos itself? Like where does it build to? Where's the climax? Where's the fall? Anything you would kind of highlight in these nine chapters just to give us kind of a general um, view of Amos? Yeah. So there's kind of 
I think that the structure, there there are lots of different opinions on what the structure of Amos is, mm-hmm. but I kind of see it as four sections. So there's like the first two chapters are kind of an introduction to the judgment God has for the world and then specifically for Israel. And then the second section is chapters three through six, which is like more judgment speeches. Um, God's just kind of going into more detail about how Israel has offended him and then what he's going to do about it. And then the third section starts in chapter seven and it kind of goes through the middle of chapter nine. And those are the visions that Amos is having. So these visions are like um, images or scenes that God is showing to him and then kind of explaining to him what they mean. And they're all visions of judgment. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And then the end section is um, chapter nine. The, the end of chapter nine. Um, and it's a vision of the redemption that's going to come. So God is going to um, restore Israel. Um, he will bring back a remnant and he's going to restore them to the land. And it's going to be better than it ever was before, more more fruitful, more bountiful um, than it even was in like the heyday when David was king. Um, so those are the the basic sections of the book. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I just thought it'd be helpful yep. to hear you speak to that. So yeah. how about, I mean, there's so many questions we can ask about Amos and we'll just kind of go back and forth on that. But I guess I'm really curious to hear you speak about as you continue to sit under God's word, you're preparing a study for the women of Gresham Bible Church. Like how is God using Amos in your life? Like how is God's word refining you, strengthening you, challenging you from the book of Amos? Yeah, uh, there are a couple things. Um, One, a a major theme we maybe haven't talked about as much is one of the big things that God is emphasizing to the people through Amos is that their worship is unacceptable to him. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is like they're worshiping idols, which um, is a big one and maybe harder for us to connect with. Although I think idolatry is something that we deal with, although not as like we're not maybe bowing down to statues, but it looks a little different in our lives. But another thing um, that I've been struck by even more is that their worship is not acceptable to him because of the way that they're treating their neighbor. Um, They are the, the wealthy people in Israel are exploiting the poor and um, using what they have stolen from the poor to live it up and live luxuriously. Um, And then they're acting like their offerings to God are acceptable to him. Like, like he's just totally okay with that. Like we're wealthy, God is blessing us. So he must be fine with the fact that I'm oppressing my neighbor uh, and mistreating them. And that's not true. Um, And so really thinking about uh, how do we prepare ourselves to worship God and how does that look through the whole week? Because we can maybe prepare ourselves to worship on Sunday, but if our life outside of that doesn't gel with what we're doing, if we say that we love God, but we hate our neighbor, mm-hmm. we don't love God. Um, so thinking about how I can take, like, how am I loving my neighbor and my actions all throughout the week? How am I making sure that I'm not benefiting from other people's exploitation? And there can be um, a lot of ways that that might look. Um, Just thinking about even the, um, are you guys familiar with like the fair trade? Um, Mm -hmm. 
movement, like thinking about how labor practices can exploit poor people Mm -hmm. um, is something that we should consider. But it might not be something like not everyone can afford to buy like everything fair trade because it's expensive. Um, But thinking about ways that we can make financial decisions and just like interpersonal um, choices to make sure that we're not benefiting from someone else getting treated poorly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because I'm just remembering some of the Simeon Trust discussions on Amos 2. You know, uh, maybe someone who's not very familiar with Amos is familiar enough to know the famous line from it and equating it with justice in the here and now, mm-hmm. and rightly so. And yet sometimes that is disconnected or just pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, separated apart from the heart of God. So Amos yeah. draws that together. Like God cares about these things. Yeah. God really is a God of justice. Yeah. Are you talking about let justice roll down mm-hmm. like water? So mm-hmm. yep. Martin Luther King Jr. is famous for quoting that. Although I don't know that everyone realizes that he's quoting the Bible when he says mm-hmm. that. <laughs> or uh, Amos. Or well, Amos. Yeah, right. They're right. like, that's in the Bible? Yep. I haven't read that one. Um, yeah. That um, God has a heart for justice and not just that God is going to bring justice himself, but that he wants his people to be just as he is just. Um, That doesn't mean that we all need to like become social justice warriors or like become super politically active. Um, But I think it does mean that we should all be thinking about where do I have opportunities to ensure that my neighbor Uh, is receiving justice like I would want to receive justice? How can I make sure um, that the best interest of my neighbor is being served just as much as mine? Um, And how can I um, think about the way that I speak to other people in a way that shows them honor like I would want to receive honor? So it's Really, if you go to like the Sermon on the Mount is so much of where I'm finding application for Amos right now, because mm-hmm. that that's the standard um, seeking justice for other people, loving other people the way that we want to be loved is how we do justice the way that God wants us to. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. How about what other things, nuggets um, from Amos are you just enjoying right now that I thought we could just kind of bounce that around together? Um, there are a lot of really interesting, like repeated ideas that go on throughout Amos. Um, the plumb line is a part of a bigger motif or, or like a repeated idea throughout the book of just like architectural, I guess, stuff mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. buildings being torn down, strongholds being destroyed. Um, he talks a lot about the luxurious homes that the people in Israel live in and how those are going to be destroyed. Um, And then in the redemptive passage at the very end of the book, he talks about cities being rebuilt and the fields becoming fertile again. Um, So that's a really interesting idea to look at throughout the whole um, the whole book and it's very unifying idea that's interesting it just like pops up everywhere so it's always kind of fun for me yeah. I'm kind of a nerd so it's fun for me <laughs> to see that popping up everywhere um, another really cool one is the image of God as a lion that happens a lot throughout the book um, the book actually kind of starts out with God and he's roaring from Jerusalem uh, and he's roaring for justice so mm. he's making this I guess angry roar that he like basically enough is enough 
Like mm-hmm. he's not going to put up with Israel's rebellion anymore. And so he's coming and he's he's coming for blood, basically, um, because there's a later passage in the middle um, where it actually talks about um, that Israel is going to be like a sheep that's been like mauled by a lion and all they're going to find that's left of Israel is like pieces pieces yeah. of a dead sheep um it's probably devastating for you yeah well i don't have any sheep so i'm okay, okay. but yeah it's yeah i know your love for animals i so, do yeah. love animals and it's a little graphic but it's all right yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that's all they're going to find of israel is just little bits and pieces and so this lion image comes up quite a bit um that's kind of interesting um an interesting idea to trace throughout yeah yeah just all kinds of interesting okay. tidbits that yeah. come up in Amos. I think that's super interesting and kind of what you're saying, the that God is pictured as a lion roaring. There does seem to be that theme throughout the book uh, around a neglecting to hear God's mm-hmm. voice yeah. and to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the one that stands out to me is kind of in that section you already pointed out in chapter seven of the plumb line because mm-hmm. it does that. He, um, God shows Amos three things and then a fourth thing he shows him is a, a summer a basket of summer fruit, which is just so funny. Of, <laughs> yeah, like, know, it's such an interesting image. But yeah. like I remember kind of pressing into that section because of how strange it was. Yeah. Because you see this, the Lord showed me uh, locusts, you know, and then this grass, and and then there's like a quick little poetry um, section, you know, about what it was said. And then the God showed me um, a, a judgment by fire, and it devoured the deep. And then God showed me uh, the plumb line. And then before you have the next, God showed me this basket of summer fruit, you have this kind of um, dialogue between mm-hmm. Amos and Amaziah, the priest. Mm-hmm. And But then within that, and this is what made me as a Christian leader kind of, you know, you kind of shudder a little bit, right? Because it seems like what God's really upset about here is what they've done to the temple. Yeah. The yeah. center place of worship for God's people and their neglect to hear. Yeah. Because it says in verse nine, the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise against the house. And then kind of the aftermath of the seeing the summer fruit in chapter eight is uh, the songs of the temple shall become wailings in that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And so you have this weird interaction right in the middle, like this break of kind of a narrative where Amaziah and Amos are interacting and basically they're telling Amos to stop yeah. prophesying. Yeah. And there's this startling line where it says in verse 13, never again prophesy at Bethel for it is the king's sanctuary Yeah, and it is a temple of the kingdom. So almost it's like this, the temple has become like, no, that's the king's. Yeah. So whatever you say has to be in line with the king. Yeah. And if not, Amos, get out of here. Mm. And God is like, no, no, that's my temple. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, because the temple that where they're worshiping isn't even, it's like their fake temple because yeah. they're not worshiping in Jerusalem, which is right. where the actual temple is. They've created their own temples, which is, um, so Jeroboam the first made those temples as, a, as an alternate place for the people to worship because he didn't want the people to go into Judah. We haven't talked about yet that this is happening during the divided kingdom time. Mm-hmm. So um, Judah and probably Benjamin split off from all the other um, 
the northern tribes. tribes. Yeah, yeah, the northern tribes. They become two separate things. So we have Judah and we have Israel. Amos is prophesying to Israel. And Israel has kind of created their own cult of worship in these new places because Jeroboam didn't want the people to go down to Judah and worship there and then like turn against him and um, go back to following the king in Judah. Um, so he's created these new places for them to worship in Bethel and Dan. And then it look it seems like by the time Amos is prophesying, there are a couple other places too. Um, but when he did that, he actually set up golden calves in those mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. and told them like, this is God. Um, and if you've ever read Exodus, you know that that's what Aaron that's did. Not a good thing. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> no. It's very not good. Um, so basically it's kind of this return to what happened when, um, when Aaron did that. And so they're worshiping these idols there and saying that it's God. And then they're bringing in all these other gods and worshiping them there too. And maybe there's like some sketchy stuff that they're doing when they're worshiping. Like it's, it's all very bad. And so. Amos comes here and he's like, you can't, you can't keep doing this. And Jeroboam II is going to get destroyed because he's continuing to lead you guys in this idol worship and all this false worship of God. And yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this is the king's sanctuary. So either like this place belongs to the king or this is the special place where the king worships. And so you can't come here and say like, oh, the king is going to get destroyed. Like, Mm. get out of here with that. Like, go down to Judah. They want to hear that message, but we don't. So, um, Mm. yeah, not the the lack of willingness to listen to the prophets is also another idea that comes up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, God reminds them that he sent them prophets and Nazarites to kind of lead them in worship and to be an example of holiness to them, to kind of draw them to the Lord. And they ignored those people and rejected Mm. them. Yeah. I'd be curious too, um, kind of in line with that, neglecting to listen to God's word. Another place that impressed me, which I'd love to get your thoughts on, is chapter four, where you have these repeated, you know, uh, chapter three, verse one, hear this word, the Lord, chapter four, verse one, hear this word, you cows of Bashan, right? That's my my favorite. It's my favorite part of Amos when he calls the women of Samaria cows. (laughs) I love it. It's not very um, sensitive. Um, (laughs) Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean we should do that, by the way, (laughs) man. Verse six and following, you have this, I gave you cleanness of teeth, yet you did not return to me. I withheld the rain, you know, yet you did not return to me. I struck you with mildew, yet you did not return to me. I sent among you a pestilence, yet you did not return to me. I overthrew some of you, yet you did not return to me. So it's like God is bringing all these hard things or just things in general. And you're kind of getting this revelation that not only has God been speaking, but things have been happening that are hard. Mm -hmm. And the point of them was that you would return to God. And so you have just this, I mean, it's just crazy. Verse 12, therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God. So it's basically this like, um, prepare your, prepare to go into battle. Yeah. Like, you know, like get your arms together because I'm coming. Yeah. And then chapter five is uh, it really, it seemed central because some of this language comes up at the very last chapter of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but God shows up and it's not good. Yeah. It's the, I will pass through your midst, yeah. um, which that language is used in Exodus when yeah. God comes and yeah. if you don't have the blood over your doorposts, yeah. uh, it's 
horrific. There's the wailing. And so anyway, it's just that uh, for me, even as, as a just listener at a surface level, I'm going, man, I, I wonder there are things that kind of God is bringing to my life potentially, potentially um, for the purpose of me returning to him. Mm. If I have yeah. strayed yeah. Um, and that there is a, a good warning or discipline uh, of God, like a fatherly discipline yeah. at least. Um, yeah. So that just struck me. But I mean, just that language of, pre- oh man. okay, so I'm coming, prepare, prepare to meet, to meet me. And it's not like, <laughs> yeah. oh great, God's coming over for Christmas or, you know, like it's um, <laughs> yeah, like this is not good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what a startling yeah. thing. If I had to pull out one phrase from the book that I think best summarizes Amos's message, I think prepare to meet your God is pretty, mm. pretty mm. on point um, because it is true for the people outside of Israel as well as inside Israel that um, God's judgment is going to come for everyone and prepare yourself. Mm. Um, yeah, it's. Also interesting, um, you pointed out the connections to Exodus, and that's one thing that continues to surprise me as I'm studying Amos is how many different connections there are to Exodus, even prepare to meet your God um, Mm. when the people are approaching Mount Sinai. And Moses mm. is going to go up and talk like originally God says, like, everyone is going to come and you need to prepare yourself so that you won't be destroyed when you're in my presence. Um, and then they're like terrified and they're like, no, we shouldn't come up. Just Moses should go mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because they they know they like yeah. they're trembling because there's like fire and loud noises and smoke and everything. And they're terrified because of how holy he is and how not holy they are. Um And that is the right attitude that we should have toward God, although it looks different because of because of Christ, because of Christ, we can be prepared to meet God because he has prepared us for him by Mm -hmm. washing us and by giving us his righteousness so that we can stand before God holy enough to not die (laughs) when we meet him. Um, So, yeah, those Exodus motifs are everywhere. And it's it's kind of interesting because Amos almost seems like backwards Exodus, where now Israel is Egypt. Um, A lot of the different uh, judgments that God says he's going to bring on them are really similar to the plagues, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in chapter eight. There's Mm -hmm. like the day of it's like darkness in the middle of the day. There's mourning as for an only son. Um, there's just a lot of the different judgments that are going to come on them are really what happened to Egypt. And I think that's because what happened in Egypt is kind of that first formative story that they have of God bringing justice against their enemies, those who have been evil and have oppressed God's people. And now God's saying, you've oppressed your own people and you are rebelling against me and worshiping idols. And so now the judgment that I did to Egypt is going to be a judgment against you. So, yeah, yeah, if you want to, like, prepare yourself for the Amos study, uh, read Uh, some Exodus. It'll it'll prepare you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, God's justice has a poetic, almost ironic aspect to it. It seems like Amos brings that theme up. Yeah. Um, Yeah, It's like a comfort and a warning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well said. Amen. Yeah. How about Lindsay? I mean, there's so much we could dig into. I'd I love this conversation. Amos is awesome. I'm excited for uh, the ladies of GBC to dig into it and everybody should study Amos. How about, you know, when you're teaching something, you have like some desired outcomes, right? So like, I know it's still forming in you. You're still working on it. You touched on it briefly earlier, but just to kind of give you a chance to speak into it. 
what are some of your prayerful hopes uh, for yourself, for um, the ladies of GBC for studying Amos? Yeah, um, I think for myself, continuing to think about what it looks like to live justly and to um, love my neighbor as I love myself so that my worship will be acceptable to God, um, which I do want to clarify, like obviously Christ um, makes us acceptable before God. But even in the New Testament, we see examples of when um, our worship becomes less acceptable to God if we come at it with the wrong heart. Um, so like uh, it's a first Peter where husbands are encouraged that if they do not live with their wives in a, what is it? A gentle manner an understanding that, way. in an understanding yeah. way mm-hmm. that they, um, their prayers won't be acceptable, like won't be heard by God. Prayers may be hindered. Yep. Um, and when we come to the communion table, we know that we need to reconcile ourselves to other believers that if we have something between us, because um, our if our hearts aren't right with each other and with God, then communion can even be almost like a curse on us. Mm. Um, so we need to take seriously um, that we need to repent um, when we're approaching God with our worship, that we need mm. to have an awareness of our own sin and have repented of that um, so that we can have a, that right relationship with him and worship him rightly. Um, and we can have that because of Jesus. So we don't need to be like afraid to the point that we're like not worshiping him because we're so afraid. Yeah. Um, but that we do need to take that seriously um, and find a balance there. So mm-hmm. I want to, um, for myself, ensure that I'm taking that seriously and not having too casual of an attitude when I uh, think about worship. Mm-hmm. Um And then for the women of GBC, I really hope that they will see the beauty that is in the prophetic literature and that they'll maybe develop more of an appreciation for that, because I know that that's probably not something that everyone really enjoys um, studying prophetic literature. So I hope that they'll see the beauty of that and see um, the beauty of Christ in Amos, because I think that he's definitely there. And um, I really hope that I can help them to see that and to and to love um God's justice, Mm. uh, even when it's hard, because it is hard. There's a lot of hard stuff in Amos, um, a lot of kind of scary stuff. And it can make us afraid or make us just want to ignore that part. But I think that we really miss out on some of the beautiful aspects of God's character if we don't see and appreciate that he he has to be just in order to be good. Mm. I think that's so well said. And I think we were wrestling with that a little bit when we had our Simeon Trust workshop, just how to not read Amos and go, God's justice is coming and oh, thank the Lord for Jesus. So, you know, everything's fine, you know, (laughs) but to like, because there is that sense where that's absolutely true that Christ has come and he has satisfied God's wrath for our sin as a, as our substitute and um, that we hide ourselves in him, Mm -hmm. you know, the cleft of the rock. Um, but then there's not like this, like, so we, you want to wrestle with God's heart in how we are treating one another, mm-hmm. that it's not just going to be this brushed off sort of thing, um, but we have to give an account for that. And so I think as Christians, it's something hard and maybe at times feels a little gray in how to really wrestle mm-hmm. with that and yeah. and not just go, thank the Lord for Jesus. I don't have to really read Amos, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. um, but go, no, yeah. this is relevant for and my yeah. life now. Yeah. And, um, 
it's a good look in the mirror. I yeah. Think, so. I, I felt like just briefly studying uh, with the Simeon Trust Amos 2, I don't know the best way to say it, but for me, it felt like a smelling salt for my soul. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of woke me up a little bit. The yeah. whole where in my life am I out of step with the gospel? Multiple yeah. ways, but like God cares about that. Yeah. I'm his. I need to worship him with all of me and my whole life is mm -hmm. worship. So where am I out of step with the gospel? And God cares about that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's also, I think, a wake up call um, for evangelism. Like if God's justice is for all people everywhere, Amen, then we need to bring the good news of the gospel that we all need to be prepared to meet God and mm. you will meet him whether you like it or not. Yep. And, um, but that our, it's a message of hope. Like we don't, there is a judgment that's coming, mm -hmm. but there's salvation from from judgment that God is going to rebuild the wall. He's going to remake us as people who live in line with the goodness of the of the law that he's given us, the righteousness that he has set as the standard and that the world will be remade and all that is wrong will be made right. And that is good news to people who are perishing. And Amen. so we, we can bring that news to other people and we need to because um, we need we all have to be prepared. Yep. Amen. Thank yeah. you so much for coming in and talking yeah. about where you are already in Amos. I'm excited uh, when your studies completed in it and um, so good. Any closing thoughts? I know there's so much more we could talk, but anything you feel like, hey, I want to make sure and speak to this about Amos. I I don't know. I just, I really have to say that the cows of Bashan thing, we got to get back to that because <laughs> like he calls them cows because the women of Samaria, because they're like, they're so wealthy and they're exploiting the poor um, yeah. that they are like cow, like very fat, healthy cows because they're like living off the poverty of other it's people. It's a healthy thing, not unhealthy thing. <laughs> And it's, I think it's just hilarious, but it's also so sobering to, um, to think about like what, in what ways am I benefiting where someone else is suffering? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been heavy on my mind. I think uh, the whole time I've been studying Amos, like how can I ensure that I'm not living off of someone else's suffering? And wow. we live now in a, in a time when it's hard to see all the different ways that other people could be being exploited, like um, child labor and slave labor that happens to produce cheap goods. And I don't know, it's been a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something I'm still wrestling with, like how every different person needs to think about that and how much we're going to be able to address things like that. Yeah. It's like a, it's a big thing to think about, but I think that, um, that God is honored when we think about the small ways that we can help others by ensuring that we're not benefiting from their mm. suffering. So mm. that's a great yeah. question. I'm good. I love having you on as this isn't fully formed yet. And yeah. I, I'm excited to see when the Amos studies all the way done, kind of how it's all brought together. Yeah. So I hope this is a helpful conversation. Yeah. I'm just having an idea for Hobby Lobby with those really pretty <laughs> cursive signs. You oh, yeah. cows of Bashan. You cows <laughs> that of would Bashan. Sell. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that'd be awesome. It'd be beautiful. I, think, I want a pillow with I that. I think Josh needs to figure out how to do some wake up 
insults to our congregation. Cheese <laughs> yes. heads of Gresham. Yes. It's like, it's Packers, actually, full circle. It's, it's funny because um, it kind of reminds me of in Galatians. You, oh, you foolish Galatians. Yeah. Yeah, Who right. has bewitched you? Yeah. Like yeah. you cows of Bashan. You like, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So we need to do a little more name calling. Yes. More, <laughs> more insulting. More insults. That is, uh, that's awesome. Well, Lindsay, you are a blessing to Gresham Bible Church. Uh, you yes, love you God's word. You're encouraging us to be in God's word, to be people of God's word and the gospel. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So hope this uh, episode and conversation has been encouraging and beneficial. Be in God's word. Be in the book of Amos. Enjoy uh, learning more about our great God. And if yeah. this conversation sparks any questions or comments or, hey, what about this? Uh, please feel free to reach out and you can do that by reaching out to me at Mike at Gresham, uh, Greshambible.org. So, all right, have a great week, Gresham Bible Church. Until next time.